Henry David Thoreau once wrote, If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. Well, my guest today on the program, his work is so soaringly infinite and built with the mightiest of foundations Thoreau would surely approve. The only way I can think of describing him is as a musical architect whose spectacular sonic castles just go higher and higher with each listen. Who am I talking about? Oh, you'll find out. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. The High Llamas, a band which features my guest today on the program, Sean O'Hagan. Let me tell you a little bit about Sean O'Hagan. Born in England but raised in Cork, Sean O'Hagan got his start with the beloved Irish indie outfit Micro Disney in 1980. Micro Disney put out five marvelous albums, including The Clock Comes Down the Stairs and Crooked Mile, before calling it a day in 1988. Two years later, O'Hagan put out his High Llamas solo album, and then he put together a band of the same name. Filled with atmosphere, harmony, melody, and rife with texture and nuance, the work of the High Llamas brought to mind the musical complexity of everyone from Brian Wilson to Morricone. I think there's even a dash of XTC in there. Now, the High Llamas brand of summer psychedelia summons the surf, the summer, the joy and the isolation of island life, and the complex contrasts of any coastal city where high-rises and blindingly beautiful beaches occupy the same space. The High Llamas have put out ten amazing albums, including Gideon Gay, Hawaii, Santa Barbara, and 2016's Here Come the Rattling Trees. And you would think all of that would keep O'Hagan busy enough, but his CV proves otherwise. He's collaborated with everyone from Will Oldham to Cornelius, and not only was he a member of Stereolab in the early 90s, he's appeared on many of their albums. Sean O'Hagan is a producer, a gifted guitarist, a sonic architect who's intuitive, instinctive, and blessed with the kind of musical aptitude that ranks him among the very best. 
and chatting with him, it was a real treat. So here you go, me and Sean O'Hagan, having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. at the beginning of the pandemic the newness was a gentleness which I thought was quite unique and um, the gentleness then gave way to um, some 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 anxiety as the numbers worldwide just climbed and became you know it, it, it looked it looked pretty bleak for quite a while and then I just think that with the advent of the vaccine there was a kind of a a new kind of hope that we all shared and we've now just been sort of looking towards the um, full opening of, of, of society which I believe I think you're a bit further ahead than we are in in the UK I think you're you're pretty much open are you, are you an open society now we are and, and but i i almost feel it was a little too soon i would i would have liked for us to have waited till september because it feels um you know like i i know you, you know there's a big you're a big beach boys fan and i am too but i was watching the beach yeah. boys what's left of them uh play the yeah. other day in uh florida to i think you know to thousands of people shoulder to shoulder on a beach and yeah. uh it was terrifying to watch that it felt it just felt a little premature but that might be my own doomsday kind of uh predilection <laughs> well it all depends really on um whether the variant actually uh makes it over to the states or not if the variant makes it over to the states then um it's going to be um you're probably going to be go back in lockdown at some stage yeah i'm yeah you know i, I think and I think you're right to be terrified. And we've just announced that we're opening up next week here. And there's, it, by, by no means is, has it been uh, received rapturously. It's been received um, very cautiously. And um, I, I believe that on public transport, most people will still wear masks. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems completely sensible. Even yeah. if I, you know, I haven't been to a live show in, in years now, well, maybe almost two years, but I would, if I went to go see a band in a club in San Francisco, I would wear, I'd wear a mask. Yeah. So you're in San Francisco. How, how lovely. Um, except for you're, 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 you're enduring some heat at the moment. Are you getting any of that crazy heat? You know, it's, it's weird. We're the only ones who are not. It's been, an, it's been a very peculiar summer in the sense it's been windy and uh, not that warm. So we've only had one really hot day. So it hasn't quite felt, it feels more like fall. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of odd actually. So um, that summer feeling hasn't quite hit me yet because it hasn't, hasn't felt like it, you know? 
Um, okay. But I would imagine you haven't been to San Francisco probably in a long time, maybe since with Stereolab or I don't know when the last time you would have yeah, been. Yeah, so, so many years. Um, yeah. I think the last time I was in San Francisco was um, sometime late 90s. Um, I'm wondering, was I there in 2004? Um, no, I don't think I was. Um, I haven't been to the US playing music since for 15 years. Um, uh, for all sorts of reasons. Um, the main reason being, um, I mean, you're very probably very aware of this, but it just became very difficult to actually get to the US um, when visas just became almost impossible to attain, um, obtain, and um, it, it really shut things down. And so whereas before, you'd be thinking of, oh, it'd be great to get over. And you never make money in America because it's just too big. But um, once the visas became impossible to get and very, very expensive, it just shut down so many opportunities. And I don't know if you noticed that. Did you notice that a lot, lot of European acts weren't coming? Yeah, I did notice that because I remember in the 80s, you it was so easy to see a lot of smaller UK bands would come over all the time. I remember, so for example, the Jazz Butcher is one of my favorite all-time bands. Um, and the yeah. Jazz Butcher, they were here quite a bit in the 80s for a band yeah. that's not a, not a big band by any stretch. The Blue Airplanes were here. Um, bands, the, the Frank and Walters uh, from, from Cork, from where, where you grew up, right? They they were here a couple yeah. of times. It was not a problem. Um, but yeah, yeah, I did notice that. I, I absolutely have noticed that. Yeah. So that was a com combination of the very the, the visa become very expensive, and then um, during I think the, the second Bush was there two Bush administrations or one I can't remember. Oh, two, yeah, there George, were two. Yeah, um, they it, it just became uh, they just closed. They just shut the door basically. Um, it was really really impossible, and then of course um, you know and, and after two thousand. Yeah, it's just you know, every, everything just became very difficult. I mean, everything became difficult after two thousand and one. Anyway, we know that, right? You know, it was just like um, every government, although everybody was just basically sort of paranoid about travel. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's 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 horrible, you know. I, I, I you know, I, I and I feel. How many times can you do you explain this to people on the other side of the ocean? I'm not avoiding it. It's just, we can't do it. <laughs> we just can't do it anymore. Yeah, and I think that a lot of times people will say things on social media like, can't wait for you guys to come to Los Angeles. And it's like, yeah, but that's not so easy. It's such a pity because the thing is, you know, when you when you actually do get out and you do play and you you you're in a, hopefully a small room in wherever, in LA, in Santa Monica, or in the Troubadour or something like that. You know, every, you know, we're all the same. Everybody's the same. And, and you just think, oh, I'm in the States and it, it's going to be so different. And yeah, certain things are different, but actually you, there's so much that's familiar because you're playing music, you're playing songs that the people who are kind enough to come out to see you um, share you you share a kind of influences and history and allegiances and politics of music all those things and you 
here you are. You're, 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 you're the, we're the same. We're just the same. We're the same, you know. <laughs> and it's just like crazy, you know. And it, and and I quite and I and I really like that. I really like that. You know, there's a band in Oakland called. Um, I'm sure you know them. Um, Healing Hot Hot Puri. Yeah. You know them. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm working with them right now. I mean, I'm just finishing their. I, I was brought in and as a remote producer on their new record and um so yeah i've been working with them online for um a good few months now pretty much at the end and how's that process going do you are you having fun doing it uh, don't have something out are you is that a process that you're yeah it's enjoying? great it, it, simmy's a wonderful man he's a lovely lovely fella who's the writer um and um i feel my job was to uh, push them a little bit out of their slight comfort zone. They wanted to kind of, they were such High Llamas fans, they wanted to make High Llamas records. And I just <laughs> said, you don't want to do that. I said, for two reasons. First of all, you want to be yourself. And secondly, look look at our track record. We're not successful. You know, <laughs> it's not such a great idea. But, um, it, you know, they were, um, you know, it's ongoing. I'll be, I'm, I'm nearly at the end of it, but, you know, it's terrific. Um, some very, very, very beautiful songs uh, are going to appear on this record. Are, are you finding that that kind of work is coming in, in in the last few years? Like people are contacting you for production-based yeah. stuff? Quite a bit, yeah. I mean, the main thing that people call me on is uh, arrangement, string arrangement, and I do that all the time. Um, I'm, 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 and it's very much a, a home-learned skill uh so i'll uh, arrange strings all over the world uh in the us brazil japan estonia norway i mean that's i've got about three clients around the world at the moment and i either send the, the score or i might try and score record the arrangement in the uk for a long time i was recording the arrangement in the uk but i can imagine that's probably quite expensive and sometimes people want the score and then they cobble together a quartet, you know, from their friends at uh, music college or whatever, which I, it's great. I really love that. Um, so that's mainly what I do, but no, um, also co-writing. Um, I'm involved in so many co-write projects, again, all over, all over the place. Um, I'm currently writing with Will Oldham. You know, he's in Louisville, Kentucky. He's on tour at the moment. Um, um, and my very good friend Kasim Kamal from um, uh, Rio uh, and th there's a whole bunch of guys who I'm not sure you might, you're familiar with the whole Rio guys the plus if I call if I mention the plus two or orchestra imperial you might not know these guys no but there's a whole scene in, in Rio which is just in incredible um, yeah so I'm working with those guys and I'm um, and one other thing, which I can't, I can't even recall now, because there's three jobs on the go. You're busy. I mean, you're. It sounds like you're busy, which yeah. is really good, right? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'll make a small. It's a small living as a musician, you know. But it's a, it's a living which is very beautiful, because I'm able to do it from home and um, export it, you know. And uh, it's lovely. That's so lovely to be able. And 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 it's quite um, a, an odd thing that they asked me to do because. 
they're asking for I don't know they're asking for um uh I don't know they're asking for uh, an essence of something that they think I can bring um probably harmonic um and uh I and they, and, and they and they give you real liberty and and so you do you take you say okay I'm going to do this quintet thing and it's going to have a little bit of you know psych folk west coast to it some uh, or I'm going to give you a little bit of um this is going to be closer to sort of you know Nelson Riddle or Sinatra's Watertown or something like that you know you know something I just kind of sniff it out and um and they let me do all sorts of things. Like I'll say, look, I'm going to ask you to change a chord here. How do you feel about that? Okay, all right. Which is a real liberty. But as I say, it's going to really sing if you if you if you do this. So that's that's very nice. That's very nice. I would imagine to have a gift of being able to, you know, arrange strings or to um, you know to go deep in into a composition that way. It's almost like someone who is really good at a certain kind of math. It's like it's a way that your brain works, right? Because because not everyone can do that, obviously. And so, uh, mm. have you have you always thought in layers musically? Is that something that's always just come sort of naturally to you? Um, yeah, I, 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 I you know naturally I never studied ever. You know I'm you know I'm from I'm from the I started playing music in 1980. I'm from the punk rock era. You know I was listening to the Mekons and you know, X and, you know, Flipper and The Fall, you know, that's why I started off. And But then you arrive here, you know, with, with this kind of crazy, with this, and you just want to sort of grab all the knowledge. Um, so yeah, when I started becoming, I think maybe when in Micro Disney, I was like, you know, the guy who, you know, saw the color and saw the depth. And with, the, and with the llamas, I, whenever I wrote a song, I, I, I heard the complete song in my head straight away. I heard the full arrangement. And um, so when somebody plays me a, a new tune and it's a voice and an acoustic guitar and a rhythm section, I can just hear all, you know, and they want me to add something. I just, I can hear opportunity everywhere. You know, it's, it's I can, yeah, that, that could work there on, and to be quite honest, it's it's. I'm sure you probably have it as well. I mean, you listen to so much music. You've spent your life within in music, mm -hmm. and if somebody actually said to you, you needed to do that, and I, you may have done it for all I know. I don't know. You you would do it because what you'd do is you would just lay back. You'd lay into the that you've loved and the experience that you've loved, and 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 you'd recall a moment of, I don't know, you might recall the kind of maybe the, the, the guitar kind of, I, I don't know, you might, you might be, it might be something that needs some, some kind of um, rock and roll sort of attitude. And you might sort of lean into West, you know, Paul Westenberg and replacements and you'll say, oh yeah, those, or, 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 or it might be, you you might go oh I can hear something and you immediately think of you know the the Scott Walker solo records and you'd think of that sort of majestic sort of beautiful space on strings 
or you might hear something and says, oh, that's crying out for a kind of a, an odd kind of psych thing. So you might even think of, you know, like um, very early Bowie, you know, like, like, like pre, pre uh, Ziggy Bowie, you know, like, you know, when he was kind of a, an experimental kind of musical psychedelic kind of raconteur you know you just basically lean in to the music that, that you've always loved and you and if you sat down and thought about how much there is you would it, the thought would go on forever yeah I could see that and for me not being a musician but I am a writer so you know and you mentioned the fall and the replacements and the Mekons you know bands I just love um, that I learned so much from in terms of writing, that my brain immediately goes to the lyric. I'm a lyrics first person. Sometimes the arrangements um, completely just go past me because I'm so focused on the words. And I mm. think there are times, and I wonder if this happens to you, where I'll hear a song and I'll go, it's a, it's a great, great lyric, but they should, probably should have edited that line and maybe turned it a little bit to the left and maybe cut it here. Mm. Uh, and sometimes as a fan, if it's not done, if it's not done well enough, right, if it feels a little scratchy mm. still, it can get in the way almost mm. of, so yeah. you don't, you know, I don't feel I'm listening as a civilian sometimes. Um, and I wonder if yeah. that happens to you, where if you, can you still be thrilled by a piece of music objectively where you just go, wow, that just, I love what I just heard, not as a job, but just as someone, you know, if you're walking by a store and you hear a song on the loudspeaker. All the time. All the time, absolutely, all the time. In fact, that happened to me yesterday. I was walking down. So I live in southeast London, and I live in um, a fantastic part of London called Peckham. And it's um, it's mainly, uh, I mean, there's so many cultures here, um, and there's a lot of Nigerian in, in Peckham. So I walk past this uh, little shop, and it just sells lots and lots of, Nigerian DVDs and CDs, whatever. And I and I came across this guy called Ebenezer, so Ig, Igbar Ebenezer, the captain Igbar Ebenezer. So, and it's just, it was amazing. It was these scratchy guitars, which were just beautifully out of sync with each other. Some rhythms, which were just like the most fantastic sort of polyrhythmic oddness. It was like water. It was like rhythm as water. And then this choral singing, which was just crazy. And it was really rough. And I went in and I said, what is this? And I, you know, I sought it out straight away. So yeah, absolutely. Um, let me think um, things like, um, there's a woman uh, from, I'm not where, God, where is she from? I think she might be from Chicago. She's a hip hop artist called Tierra Wack. I don't know if you ever came across her. Um, unbelievable fantastic she made this wonderful record which was 10 songs one minute long and each one minute song had a, a one minute film and the films were just incredible and I, I was engrossed in with that in in LA there's a woman called uh, Kaja Bonet uh, I don't know if you've ever heard come come across I think Kaja is a K-A-D-J-H-A uh, and Bonet Again, I think she comes out of slightly a little bit of hip hop or a little 
maybe not so much maybe closer to the no future guys in in la um very very uh, lots of strings very psyche um very poetic um and uh just brilliant and a stopping moment for me i mean i don't know she's 30 31 just she, uh, uh, yeah so absolutely i'm i'm um, especially you know something there's there are people in their 20s and 30s making music now that are that, that have drawn me you know i think it's a great time it's a great time in music there's some amazing young music out there um, unbelievable it's you know it's, it's some great beauty out there i agree with you i i found a band during the pandemic called bad nerves and uh they're from the uk and they sound like the buzzcocks meets the misfits but mm -hmm. even better than that combination sounds like they are just it's just pure thrilling velocity and um every song is just sort of like i'm like if i'd heard them when i was 17 i would have probably followed them around um yeah <laughs> they're so good so i mean I, I like it you know i'm i'm 51 and i like the fact that i can still feel um because as soon as i get that thrill it also this kind of um the opposite of existentialism sets in it almost like this weird optimism kind of sets in when oh, i yeah, get that's right. absolutely absolutely right? do you get this thing when you hear a piece of music um that's new and it's young and it's you know you've oh wow this is um, not only do you listen to it, but you can't wait to get on to tell people about it. You say, oh yeah, you've got to, you've got to. Oh yeah, come over. I'm going. I'm going to play something. You know, it, it's almost like um, you know, you're driven to sort of um, to spread, spread, to spread the this. Like this is great. Everyone needs to hear this. You know. Yeah. Um, so I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm very much still a fan. Com completely. And uh, I, you know, I love it. I love, I love being a fan. Um, and um, you know, old and new. I mean, there's stuff I'm discovering from. Man, I discovered this kind of gospelly thing, which was called Love Apple. Um, oh man, it's just, it, it. They're just demos. They're just a bunch of guys who went into a demo studio in Chicago in like 19. 69 and made this beautiful crazy little record it sounds like the main ingredient or something like that you know there's a band in um god where are you from denver called tennis have you heard those guys i know tennis yeah yeah now uh, there's something really you know i mean it's really funny because I'm, I'm an old guy and i've lived through the 80s so that their music is very much sort of leaning into the 80s and um and when that whole kind of um, when people started borrowing from that sound, I was so disinterested. I couldn't. I, no, no, I can't. Can't go there again. And uh, and then actually, lots of people were doing it. And then, oh, you know, I'm missing something. They're actually doing it really well. Actually, they're doing it better. <laughs> and uh, those tennis do it do that. And um, so I was very curious about them. So I sort of followed followed some interviews and. Then they started to talk about some of the music that um, they they and they 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 talk about Love Apple. I mean, no, I don't know this. And it, it, so these 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 two people are just gifting kind of ideas and some um, yeah, I'm, uh, 
got got um I, I i've recently just become a big fan of gospel and uh, it was never there when i was younger i didn't understand it i understood it in far as far as bobby womack and you know but i didn't really get it um but uh I, I really enjoy it. I really, I really enjoy it. And I, the more obscure stuff, the better. You know, as as I, I was talking to, to Will Oldham, Bonnie Prince Billy, about this, and he said to me, he's the same. He said, you know, something. The most people go on about A and R and the clubs. He said, go to the churches. That's where it's happening. And it's probably it is true. You will find some absolutely fantastically bizarre music. In all sort in churches all over the place, you know, and um, obviously throughout America, but you know here as well because you've got the African churches here, and then you you've probably got so many you've probably got Filipino churches where there's a different sound going on, but it is interesting, you know. I mean, I'm a non-religious person, but you know, there's some there is definitely stuff going on there. Oh, we know that. I mean, you know, Aretha Franklin made that. Fantastic back to the church, didn't she? And um, with her, um, and she made this record with her, um, her music uh, mentor from from her gospel days. That was a terrific record. I mean, I think that gospel has the same urgency as punk rock. You know, there absolutely right. Yeah, completely. Um, and it's it's all about the moment. And um, um, one of the things I didn't really get about gospel and somebody said, you know, actually, if we go back to blues and um, and soul and um, and we go back to uh, so, you know, the great American, um, the, you know, the, 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 the 19th and the 20th century, what happened? Well, you know, this this, you know, the, the, there was the mass exportation of of of. African people to the Caribbean and to America. Um, then there was the the uh, obviously the slave um, the history of of, of slave and, and and slave music. But you know, music so that, that as 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 a you know as appalling a kind of a an event in history. It, it it gave something as well because it brought you know the, the the idea of spiritual music which was something that people had to do because the only way they could get through the day was by singing and so they did and they sang and so spiritual music in the fields was slow and this is what and and but once spiritual music goes into churches it becomes fast you know and it isn't that incredible? I, and I, 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 this is what I was learning from, and and not only that, but the and and lots of people have said this. Springsteen, Tom Petty, they were all talking about it. Um, they said, that, yeah, in the churches, uh, the backbeat, you know, and the clap, where you got, and the movement and the and the the preacher was the first front man. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. The first front man. Yeah. And, and 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 so you know, like when we think about you know where did rock and roll come from? Because when you think of you know early rock and roll, they were basically you know it spilled out of you know so you had 
yeah, the jazz three era, you had jazz and then swing. And then out of swing came the small rock and roll ensembles. And they, but they were basically playing kind of swing. They were, you know, I mean, if you think of um, the very early stuff, you know, the rockets and whatever, it's kind of not too far away from what, you know, the, the big bands were doing in the forties. It's just a small version of it. But obviously the backbeat was very, very, very important. And um, the and, uh, and Bill Haley was the front man, but it wasn't really, you know, you could still, the way they dressed, you could, you could still see the big band. And it wasn't really until, you know, the, this, this front man person stepped out and obviously, you know, we're thinking of Elvis, but that's a lot later. But really, you, 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 um, I'm thinking of who the first guys, I don't know, Little Richard, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And those guys must have got, they might have got it from the churches, you know, the, the preaching, you know, the kind of crazy preaching and the, 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 the sort of, and you just this group of people behind you and they're singing that, you know, the chorus, you know, one, two, three, go, and and, 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 and the preacher, he's well-dressed and he's ad-libbing and he's just basically, he's gliding over the top. And um, what was it I was watching the other day? It's just fantastic, fantastic um, program. Um, and, and diverse group of people. Uh, Springsteen was on and Tom Petty was on and somebody else was on and they basically, they were all talking about this and they were all talking about, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think it was a program about Elvis. I think it was about the Elvis 68 comeback. Um, yeah, yeah. I love the fact, I mean, I, that Elvis was this kid who sn sneaked out as a 12 year old kid and he went to Beale Street and he went into Beale Street, he went to the clubs and he listened to, um, you know, R&B. So he's a little white boy sneaking into black clubs and he's going into the black churches and you know, we, 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 you know, it just didn't happen. That just didn't happen, apparently. Um, you know, he was, you know, man, what a visionary. What, what a, an amazingly, um, an important guy he was. So important. But, um, yeah, I don't know how the hell I got onto that, just going on about gospel. <laughs> well, I wonder, I wonder if what you were saying before about how the, how the songs were slower in the fields I wonder if they were burdened by the rhythm of work, right? And yeah. then in the church, you're not working. Your hands are free. Your your mind is yeah. free. You're not there, yeah. and you can really kick out the kick out the jams. Yeah, absolutely, completely. And you know, I mean, so I think a few of these people were saying, if it wasn't for the churches. They're saying rock and roll wouldn't happen. It wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the churches, because that's where this music, this you know, basically it all came from spiritual music. Came, it, it was only in the churches as that, as you said, that people were free, and they could, and and it got fast. Yeah, you know, great, great, great thoughts. Those are those are superb thoughts. I mean, even something as simple as your hands are free. You yeah. can do what you want with your hands, right? You can swing them around, you can clap, and there's yeah. a momentum to it. Um, it that, I never thought about that before, but that makes perfect sense to me now. Mm. 
Mm. You know, I want to go back to something that you were saying about lyrics because I think it's very important. You're a writer, and you're 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 and you're you're drawn to lyrics straight um, first of all, which is you know a terrific thing. Um, I'm I'm a non-literary person, and I kind of struggle with my lyrics. But one of my one of my big problems was that I started off life, you know, with um, Cahal Coughlin and you know in in Micro Disney, and and when you've got somebody who's just such an amazing um, man of words, it's kind of it's it's difficult, you know, you know, to, where do you go? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, and it, it, it's hard, you know. So, um, but um, I kind of, uh, but so so yeah, it's it's very interesting, you know. I I I, I um, but working with Bonnie Prince Billy, a uh, man of words, that he's a man of words. Oh my god! And and what's happening is he's sending me lyrics, and I'm creating a song from the lyrics, and then I send it back, and then I send, and then he sings. You know, it's a beautiful, it's a really nice collaboration. Um, but um, yeah, uh, and 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 I'm 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 putting in mind also of you know when you think of drawn to the lyric, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of a few stories I've heard like Johnny Cash, you know, Johnny Cash, those words, every word was heavy, wasn't it? Every word was heavy with it's so much, you know, um, and I know a story where. Uh, it was told by Nick Lowe. Now, Nick Lowe, I don't know if you know, he married one of the Cash daughters. Yes. And um, he um, needed, and, and Johnny, uh, towards the end of his life, Johnny Cash said, I want you to write me a song. And um, Nick Lowe, he said, he spent all night on, on this lyric and he realized that it had to be right. And he sweated the night out getting it right. And it was the beast in me, I think that was the song. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, every word, you know, every word. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's uh, another great lyric. You know, I mean, when you think of, I mean, the early Beach Boys, and so he, he's a, you know, so they, they wrote Surfing USA, and um, which was, of course, Sweet Little Sixteen, you know. Um, they just took it and they took Sweet Little Sixteen off and they put and paid royalties and um, but um, my God the um, those uh, no particular place to go that that lyric uh, Chuck Berry that lyric incredible lyric incredible lyric. it's you know it's just like the idea the idea that nothing's happening you know there's not a lot going on I've got a car and I work eight hours a day and I've got a car and that's it and maybe I'm just uh it's just incredible you know revolutionary I mean after lyrics which were you know a nightingale sang in Berkeley Square and you know you will forever be my sweetheart and you know whatever you've got this guy going there's not a lot. I work eight hours a day and I've got a car and that's it. <laughs> right. Right. And then and then Springsteen built on that model of I have a, a, a terrible job and I have a car and, and I'm threatening in every song to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there's nothing to do. Uh, and mm -hmm. if I stay in this town, I'm going to die in this town. 
So it's sort of like, yeah. you know, he sort of built on that, like, there's, there is nothing going on. So I need to leave. Whereas Chuck Berry's song, it's sort of like, he, he doesn't, he doesn't leave, right? He kind of realizes it, but doesn't ever actually make that, that bolt. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe he sort of is threatening to, it's interesting. I mean, the, also the American highway um, yeah. and, you know, the advent of the automobile probably really changed the, the, the way people write lyrics because it's sort of like access. Well, think of what the lyric was before that. The lyric before that was, you know, you know, you know, the train whistle, it, you know, it, 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 you know, I'm jumping on this car, the whistle of the train. And, right. uh, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you know, the, the, um, yeah, it really begs, begs singing. So, so, so if we follow this um, model, we should be writing songs about Amazon now. <laughs> Amazon delivery. <laughs> we're, not, we're not leaving the house. We're just waiting for Amazon to come along.
when it comes to your work at Micro Disney, and and he, you know, my interview with 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 him was astounding. He's such an a, such a brilliant guy, um, really intense and also really um, vulnerable at the same time, and 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 just a really sweet guy. Um, but he's one of those guys where I, lo I look at the early work of Micro Disney and I go, that guy came out of the box writing great lyrics there's no if i look at what i did 20 years ago i'm embarrassed um mm. he he seems to have arrived fully formed did you learn anything from him in terms of watching him work and and uh and listening to the way he wrote songs um yeah um, um most definitely yeah um one of the things i learned from carl was um uh sometimes you can write in the third person you know um and so you you can be, literally be the storyteller, you know. You can set up the characters, you know. There's and and you you can be the narrator, um, which happened in a lot of um, Carl's songs, in the same way as uh, um, uh, in the. Uh, I'm just thinking of the classic example of that. Uh, Manilov, you know, the Copacabana, that's a classic example of yeah. that, you know, or, or the Human League, you know, uh, uh, actually, no, what, what, Human League, I was working, was it she was, or was it I was, no, maybe that uh, was the first person. I was, but, but still, it's, it's almost like the, they became, the characters are almost acting out their parts yeah, um, in that song. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe Ray Davies did it quite a bit, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're quite right. So um, that's one thing. Um, uh, you know, Carl wrote a lot of very personal lyrics, but he also wrote lyrics that kind of um, uh, were small p political as well. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm, you know, I just learned so much from it. Um, and I and I and I and I felt as though I was just a, a, a poor imitation for a long, long time, um, and um, it's uh, I still struggle. I still struggle, and uh, they're they're very they're very strange things. And and the music comes easy, and the lyric is is, is not easy. As Stephen Sondheim said, you know, with the you know the music, all I need to do is do this and he takes his hands and he puts them and the first chord I play is a start but he sometimes struggled as well you know and and still well st st he said he's still with us thank god you know um yeah yeah it's uh, uh but uh there are um yeah I've just been I'm, I've just been working I did the last two years was with um, a guy called Ben Garrett, who is an artist called Friars. Um, and it's very pop, it's, and, and I was the co, kind of co-writer on some and just, I don't know, provider, instrumental provider. Very different for me, very, it's very, very now, very, you know, it's got a lot of R&B influence, very, 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 you know amazing stuff wonderful man um and you know his his lyrics were just in, incredible he, he's written this uh 
some incredible songs, uh, which, and I was and I was in awe of of, of the easiness of these lyrics. Um, and uh, actually, another great guy. Have you ever come? Do you, do you know Chris Cummings? Um, from he had a band called Mantler, M A N T L E R, no. from um, Toronto, and he calls himself Marcus Darling now. Um, yeah, I've, I've worked with him and, and a great lyricist, wonderful lyricist. Musically, he's like a shy Donald Fagan and wow. um, uh, beautiful arrangements, great songs. Two years ago, I was working with it and I just said, wow, this is two years ago. And I said, uh, what, what, what is this? And he just said, it's Trump, isn't it, Sean? It's Trump. And I went, oh, yes, of course it is. And uh, it was beautiful. It was, a, it was a song about the Donald, but um, in, in the most extraordinary way. But, uh, yeah, yeah. The lyrics are, there, there's a band in Australia called Augie March. Have you heard this band? Augie March? Yeah. O-G-G-Y. Uh, A-U-G-I-E. Um, yeah Augie and then the next name and then it's March two words and they're quite well known over there and they're they're relatively obscure I think everywhere else um but they can they can play a packed house a packed like opera mm. house in Sydney um but yeah. they are the singer of that band is this guy named Glenn Richards and he is just astounding I mean I I just, I don't know how he, it, I mean, I think of him the same way people might, a guitar player might listen to Django Reinhardt, where I just look at his lyrics and I go, I don't know how you do that. Um, mm -hmm. He's just so brilliant. And um, yeah, I, and, I, and I, I do hear a lot of, I'm sure that he was a micro Disney fan. <laughs> like I'm, I would, I, yeah, I, or, or a High Lamas fan. I would be very surprised if he had um, those records. But, but yeah. I would, but try because they're quite they're they're lush in spots, but not. Um, you'll see. I mean, Augie March. There's a record called Strange Bird, that they did. Another one called Moo You Bloody Choir. And um, okay. those two records, I think, would be really interesting for you to hear. I, I just think they're miraculous. Um, well, you know, there's a, there's a great tradition down there. I mean, there's some great lyricists down there, and obviously Robert Foster and Grant Grant and Robert. Um, you know, Peter Walsh from the Apartment. Uh, um, you know, everything right over to the, the, you know, the clean guys and all those, you know, they're, they're, those were, they were all um, men driven by lyrics. They were all, they were all readers, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like um, the Verlaines, you know, uh, mm. the clean. So I thought those New Zealand bands are so clever. Um, the Australian bands are, are darker, it seems, like the Triffids mm. or... Yeah, yeah. Um, did you know Grant at all from the go-between? Did you guys ever run in the same circles? Oh, yeah, completely. We were very, very, very close. We used to rehearse uh, in the Micro Disney days. We'd be we'd rehearse in the same studio and they'd be next door to us and we'd go to the pub, you know, every day. Um, so, yeah, Grant and Lindy and Robert, we were very, very close, yeah. Um remember for a time you were all on big time records for like a for like a minute i think there was like uh i think so right okay it's big time uh, yeah in the u.s yeah they yeah. were in the u.s for just for a minute what they did is they put out all of my favorite albums in a year and a half yeah. period and then they completely imploded um but okay. that was how i learned about jazz butcher go-betweens 
micro Disney, um, you know, the, and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, what was it like to be around Grant McLennan? Seems like a lot of creative energy uh, was uh, was always coursing coursing through his veins. Uh, was he pretty great? Yeah, oh, Grant was great. You know, Grant was great. Um, he was, um, you know, uh, you know, massively well read, massively interesting man. You know, you never had, you know, the conversation it was never small talk with him. It was, it was, you had to be on your game. You had to be on your game. Um, yeah, I met Patrick um, uh, from the Jazz Butcher many, many times. I mean, going right back to like 1984. And again, I remember being in a, a bar with him. His, he, we shared the same um, publicist, a guy called Chris Carr. And uh, so, yeah, I, I used to see, I used to see Patrick quite a lot. Uh, we, we did sh shows together quite a, quite a bit. The North, you know, that sort of Northampton, Midlands kind of, uh, those guys, you know, like you've got, because not too far away from like spiritualized and, you know, they're all, they're all roughly from the same, um, you know, you know, spiritualized and um, Spaceman 3, they're all from roughly the same area. Yeah. What would you think of Pat? He's such a nice guy. I've talked to him a couple of times. He's really nice. Oh, he's a gen. I think he went to Oxford, didn't or did he go to Cambridge? Yeah. He went to one of them. He went to Oxford, yeah. He went to Oxford. My God, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, a real, a real, uh, again, again, you know, a gentleman, uh, you know, and lots and lots of fun. I haven't seen him for so many years, but um, yes, it's funny that you should mention, you should mention the Jazz Butcher. Well, he, he, yeah. I learned so much from him uh, in terms that, that, you know, you could do, just in terms of lyrically, that you could be so loose and so funny and clever, and and then when you least expect it, um, you hit in the stomach with something completely moving. And you know, on the Distressed Gentlefolk album, he has a one song is about you know in the springtime cats have sex, and then there's a another song called Angels, which is the most devastating ballad um, about longing that you'll ever hear in your life, and. The idea that that tragedy and comedy could could be so closely associated um, up to that point, I'd only seen Morrissey do it, um, mm. and at fifteen or sixteen, that was incredible. But the Jazz Butcher blew it open for me from a writing standpoint, where I went, "That's you know, I, I love that you can occupy that space." So um, anyway, oh, that's so lovely to know. That's so lovely to know. Yeah, yeah, huge fan. When when you are right now going through your own work and 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 digitizing. Um, and I talked to, to um, you know, we, we, we talked about the micro Disney stuff too when, when, when uh, Peckle and I talked and, you know, surveying your work and sort of putting it in this sort of digital space. I mean, that's almost like going through old photos, right? Like it's a, is that a weird feeling for you? Is it, how is that experience? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the llama's back catalog going up. Um, it, it, it's, um, I think there's two things that happen. First of all, you kind of um, you 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 wonder what state of mind you were in to create this particular song or that particular song. So, you know, I mean, I think I've, I I very much remember the 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 state of mind of Gideon Gay and what I was trying to do um, at, at the time, and um, 
the Gideon Gay thing, weirdly, was driven by the fact that I'd been in Stereolab for, you know, a couple of years at that stage. And if you think of really, uh, so, you know, the Micro Disney, you know, we were 10 years from, from the, from Ireland, indie, Peel, John Peel, Virgin, you know, big pop success is going to happen and it doesn't happen. And then you, 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 you kind of, you walk away and um, I walked away and, you know, I did a few bits and pieces, but the next time I was really sort of doing anything was in Stereolab. And so with Tim in Stereolab, he kind of sort of said, well, we don't know, we don't have a roadie and yeah, Sean, you're going to play the organ. And, and I said, well, is this right? And he said, sounds right. And I'd say, and I came from a culture of it has to be right. You right. Know? And to Tim's real, it sounds good, Sean. I think it's right. Um, and uh, the and, and the, what I'll always say is loose looseness. Even though Stereo Lab are kind of known for you know the, the, the you know motor rock and whatever came afterwards. In 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 the getting together of the music in the rehearsal room in that. There's a there's a real the world there was a real looseness, um, which I I found so enjoyable after kind of what I now remember as being as as, as, as the prof it's funny you start off as kids you start off in these kind of proto punk rock bands you become pop people you have management you have this and and all the time what's happening is the professionalization of what you were doing. You start off as impulse and instinct and it ends up as professional, you know? And um, and then I walked away and I went back with Stereo Lab and, and, and it just reminded me of the kind of the joy of the instincts that I, I remember from the very beginnings of Micro Disney. Um, and um, so that kind of, it was that experience that, freed me to make Gideon Gay, which was much, which was a kind of a loose record, I think. And, you know, the experiment, let's try this, let's try that, let's try the EQ like this, let's let this track go on forever. When's this track going to end? Should we fade it? No, it stops when the tape stops, you know, that kind of thing, you know. And um, so that was the frame of mind. But then the frame of mind for Hawaii was was, was different because what happened was, you know, Gideon Gay was kind of became this kind of slightly cult success in the in Europe, and um, the record labels were just saying, "This guy is doing something very interesting." And so, you know, you had suddenly you had from not wanting to be no no one wanting to know what you were doing, you had labels. We got to sign this guy, so I had carte blanche, but then expectation expectation arrived. You've got to make, and and the weird thing was with Hawaii, I walked into the studio um, with, or, or you know, you know, and 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 the, the the guys, Rob and John and Marcus, you know, the, who, the band, that, and a guy called Charlie Francis, and just walked in with huge ambition, and um, I was younger, and I was not afraid of that ambition. And so 
yeah, just like a very long time in the studio um, with this kind of plan. And it, the plan was just the most bizarre plan, but it was a plan. And the plan was that I, I wanted to draw strands in. And, and, this, and, and this strand was, was from, from the kind of the chaos of Charlie Mingus. And this strand was from, you know, Gene Clark on the LA sessions, you know? Wow, that's, that's different. And, and this strand was from Jacques Brel, and this strand was from, um, from, from, from the, you know, Smile sessions. And it was, and, and I just said, like, I just want to make the great, the great record. And, um, it, it was uh, so now when I when you say, is it look looking? Does it look like looking at old photographs? Um, what what I think I think of is the the the, the state of mind of every particular record, and I'm surprised at the audacity of it. You know, and the audacity is something that you have when you're younger. And I don't have that now, I don't think. But it was like, you know, you get signed by a record label and the label's saying, you, we want you to make, just do what you want. And of course, they're not saying that at all. <laughs> they basically within reason or blah, 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 blah. And you just go, right, okay, fine. That's what we're just going, we're going to do that. And, um, you know, I, I can't, when I, when I, when I think of, you know, we were signed off the back of Checking In, Checking Out, which was like this kind of FM song. And then I played them the first things from Hawaii. And it was just like, you could see them just going, what, what have we signed? What, what have we signed? Oh my God. But, 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 but in fairness, they stuck, stuck with it and saw it out. And, and, you know, and Hawaii had, has a, has a, a longevity that people, you know people and then I don't know and then uh, so yeah the next record I'm thinking of the the frame of mind and yeah I could go on and on but that's basically I, th I think that's what, what what I'm doing when I when I think of those records and I sometimes wonder the bit that you, the, the, the reference that you've made is it like an old photograph is correct insofar as sometimes you look at a photograph and you think, yeah, I roughly remember that day. And sometimes you look at the photograph and you say, I can't believe that's me. Oh my God, I look so thin and oh my God, whatever. And so that's what I'm doing. I said, I can't believe that was me because you know, there is quite a bit of audacity, quite a bit of cheek. Yeah, I'm gonna do this now, you know? But without that audacity, you wouldn't have those albums by Flipper or the Mekons or you know, or, or your work. I mean, you're, you're talking, right, that sort of that youthful, um, let's just completely swing as hard as we can, um, mm. is like, like, for example, you know, you couldn't make a flipper album at, at 55. Um, mm. That just wouldn't, that no. just wouldn't have been. And, and I do think, I, I have a theory about that, that I, I think that a lot of it is directly related to, um, you know, there's a sort of libido element to it. You know, I think you have mm -hmm. like this kind of young, you're more feral. Um, there's a sexual charge to what you do. 
And mm-hmm. as we get older, you know, we, be, we become men of a certain age and, and we sort of calm down in those departments a little bit, which, which by the way, I'm fine with because I can actually think clearer now because I was, my judgment was so terrible um, when it was sort of like, I'd fall in love with a girl and I'd write 4,000 poems for her that were, you know, 28 pages long. And, you know, it's sort of like, it's not reasonable. Um, but then again, at the same time, that, 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 that sort of injection of creative energy um, you know, also brought about a kind of fearlessness, which I think I'm too smart to have now, right? <laughs> which is, so that's kind yeah. of the dilemma. Yeah, the fearlessness, you're too smart to have the fearlessness. Yeah, I, 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 um, I completely understand that. And um, I don't think you want, I mean, if I said, do you, here's the opportunity, do you want to be 25 again? I'm not sure if you, you'd want to be that. You say, no, I've been 25, I'm, I'm happy to be, 51 now yeah I think I feel that way I I do feel that way yeah I mean the only part about it that that is the only part that is that is um that would make you pause is just like oh that you'd have a little more road left you know because like you when I turned 50 I thought wow there's there's so much road behind me um and the future Mm -hmm. always seemed so limitless and it doesn't feel that way anymore it feels like like the finite element of it is presenting itself in a way that is um, you know, a little, a little uh, nerve-wracking at times. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know. I've, I've got ten years. I've got ten years on you, and 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 uh, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, it's 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 very strange because you know to be a guy in his early sixties and still making music one way or another, albeit for you know projects. And for people in their late twenties, I don't understand. <laughs> Do you realize how old I am? <laughs> Are you yeah. sure? You know. Um, so, uh, uh, but I, I, I kind of, um, I'm, 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 I'm trying to kind of, trying to kind of create a, a. Uh, uh, the, the 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 right condition to to carry to 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 live to be I mean should I worry about will I do another solo I did a so I high alarms and I did the solo record random calls and will I do another one and why is there any reason to do another one and you know um, or do I just really want to just um, kind of play music to myself or to my close friends and um, I. I I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled at the moment, I'm, 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 but that's the great thing about people hiring you because you, you, you deliver, you're, you're still being creative and you're just, you're doing it on someone else's record, but you're still being creative and it's a really, it's a really nice thing to do. I know that, I mean, I was thinking, I mean, I was kind of in a quandary all day about, um, okay, I need to start writing again because I haven't written for a while because I've just been working on other people's music. And you know what is it going to be? What what is it? What am I going to be doing? And um, I and I was for a moment trying to think of and and, and I and I, I realised that a lot of the time what I want to do is you know genuine. I, I want to create a sound that people nobody else has heard. I, I want to try and do that. And yeah, I know lots of people have wanted to try to do that, and they do it. And they succeed in their own way. And um, I was um, 
and I think on my on my last solo album, there's um there's one song where I think I succeeded, um and uh, and I kind of is song called Better Lull Better Lull Bear. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, there there isn't a lyric on it. It's a, it's, it's 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 instrumental and um um Better Lull Bear. I don't know. I quite like that. I think it's just like it's just the uh, the you know the policy decision you make when you come face to face with a bear um but uh, <laughs> uh which i never have but i look forward to um and uh <laughs> but um yeah and and i thought that there was it was like music that i hadn't heard before and i thought yeah so um, i'm i'm and that i've been listening to a lot of african music um with that in mind um and African music that has a strange shape. And I'm just thinking, I wonder, can I, I don't want to make a, 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 I don't want to make music that is obviously African, but I want, I like that shape. And I'm wondering if I can take that shape and then, and, and, and but me, it's me, my harmony, my kind of, you know, the, the way I lean, my voice maybe, but I want that shape, you know, and, um, that's that's what's been on my mind all day and whether that's going to be on a record and it's going to be marketed or whether it's just going to be literally just succeeding and making it and, and 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 playing it maybe to a very small number of people i don't know well that record sounds actually like a really something i'd love to hear because the idea of the swing of of african rhythm with that sort of brightness of arrangement and the texture that you um, that that you do so well, that sort of melding mm. um, just sounds like a kind of heavenly mix. I mean, I hope I hope that. Yeah, out. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's something. Um, that's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's almost like you know, we, we earlier on we were talking about um, uh, you know the back B and uh, you know like music of the churches is when it picked up and and I, I do think about music of shape shape of music because um okay so if if you think of um uh you know the the rock and roll that we heard in the 1970s you know this generic thing and you know so it was it was a you know it was a big it was getting it was in, it was middle-aged at that stage rock and roll was middle-aged at that stage and you know there were so many facets and you had um you, you know but and you had this very very kind of tight professional sound the fm sound and then you had um but you know then but then you had neil young who managed to always keep it sloppy always he always kept it you know whatever and then obviously you know the end of the 70s and the reshaping of 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 music um and 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 i always i think of it like that i think of it very visually you know the shape of the music um and uh i kind of and i think as time goes on or as periods periods pass the the shape of music changes and um um yeah you know i mean in the uh, like in the 60s i mean there was there was it was almost like liquid because 
there was no, there was so much going on. You know, you, you had so much going on. You know, you blink and something happens and go, hang on, you know, you, you've got Miles Davis trying to make, you know, working up to making Bitches Brew over there and, and then Pentangle and Martin Simpson making this kind of strange folk music over here. Um, and, you know, the Beach Boys, you know, Brian trying to make his kind of God opuses. The Beatles trying to work out, you know, whether they should stop making kind of, you know, they, 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 they were questioning themselves. They were going, she loves you, yeah, 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 one minute. And then the next minute they meet Dylan and they say, oh my God, we you can and so they write Norwegian Wood instead, you know. Um, Judy Sill just, oh. fan, you know, so sad. Yeah, so sad, so sad. The band saying it's all kind of we we we're walking away from everything. And we're going into the mountains and we're and we're just gonna, you know, do so much, so much. And but 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 I think there wasn't a kind of there wasn't a definitive punch because it was so much I think by the time we got into the early 70s we had this kind of professional rock and roll and the arenas had established themselves and the Eagles were there and Aerosmith was there and you know and you had this profession so you know you had a producer that says I know how to get the great FM sound you layer the guitars like this you layer the acoustics like this and then the harmonies you just kind of you, you EQ and you emote, we're gonna have like, man, we're gonna have 15 of you. Really? Yeah, that's how we get the sound. And so you have this early 70s sound, which is, it's like a well-presented box, you know? It's a kind of a shiny box, you know? And um, and, and, and and then I don't know, I get, I get God knows what the shape is that, that happens in the late 70s. I think the shape I'm thinking of in the late 70s that I'm really thinking of is, is the, the angular shape that was, so you have punk, but then you have post-punk and that's when things really happen. It's post-punk, not punk. And that's Oh, you know? There we go. It's kind of, um, you know, yeah. And it's, it's almost like, you know, those guys were saying, we don't want to groove. You grooved for too long. We don't want to groove. Right. We're too, we're too stiff to groove. We're too angry to groove. We want to do this, you know. And that's why, and then the fall said, what if there is no shape at all? Uh, Absolutely. You know, what, what if that is the shape, that, that it's shapeless and, yeah. you know, that's why I think, like, I look at, you know, to me, the fall are still so revolutionary in that way. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Both lyrically and sonically. And so, yeah, I know what you mean. And that's why I also liked um, a lot of reggae stuff does from the 60s. Um, mm. A lot of that Jamaican reggae stuff has that sort of water that you're talking about, that sort of undulating yeah. thing that's there. And then that sort of ecstatic, mm. almost church-like delivery um, is also mm. there. And then there's this undeniable groove that's also there. And it also feels raw, mm. like punk rock, 
that's also mm-hmm. there. I feel like the, those early um, 60s reggae sides are some of the most urgent music I've ever heard. Um, and there, and, there, is an, and yeah. there is a shape, there's like a Motown shape to it, but it's also so ragged mm-hmm. and so beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, and there's so many, there's certain things. Okay, so one of the things would be, okay, one of of the big changes that happened in music, and they'll say, oh, what is it? And you'll say, oh, was it Dylan? Was it this? I'll say, no, it's not an artist. It's a thing. What is that? And that is electronic tuner. Mm. An electronic tuner. Yes, because that's when people could say, I'm perfectly in tune. Now, up to that, people were never perfectly in tune. People were not perfectly in tune. You know, there was, and the thing about not being in tune is that you create new, you create overtones by being out of tune, you know? And, um, right. And, right. and the, now we, I just talked about in the 70s, they said, we got professional and we, 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 we presented, this is it, you know, the shiny, you know, presentation of, of, of the product where, where, and so those reggae guys, the, the shape, obviously they played so loud, the bass was so loud that it could never work out when the bass was in tune or on the note or not. Uh, which is part of the sound. It is right. absolutely part of the sound. And um, the, uh, you know, just that, just that, that whole kind of, um, you know, and, 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 and the, the, you know, rock, rock, you know, the, the, the backbeat, the rock, one, two, gum, one, well, the, what, what I, I, I should know this, but the, the point at which they didn't, they, they went, no, it's all about the kick drum. So one, two, the kick drum on three. So one, two, three, four, boom, and boom, boom, boom. Where the hell did that come from? You know, somebody that it was probably, whether it was um, Lee Perry or whether it was, um, I, 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 I don't know, you know, it was, uh, I, I'm just trying, desperately trying to think of, um, 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 not slide down, but, um, the uh, the other great producer Pablo, um, um, oh, Pablo. Pablo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just like turning the world upside down. You know, one boom, a boom, because everyone thinks reggae is about the the backbeat or the guitar, but it isn't. It's it's the boom, boom. That's that's you know, and that space. You know that space in all of that, and the kind of, uh, and also the way they operated. You know, it wouldn't have invent, been invented if you didn't have that studio system in 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 um, Kingston. You know that, and 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 the kind of, um, you know that the 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 oddness of, um, and you know, like the, the the thing is, the great thing about reggae was was. The, the the act wasn't the star. The producer was the star, mm-hmm. right? You know, the act just came along to the studio because they wanted that producer's sound, and they got it. And they got it every time. And now I know why the 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 vocals would the vocals would crack over the top of the composition because they were trying to sing over 
yeah. the power of the bass. And I love that imperfection. I love that ragged thing oh, man, yeah. in those in those ragged. I just I love I love that stuff. Um, I really do. And um, when you go back and listen to it, it's so urgent and it's so raw. And um, I know I I I love it. Um, you know, I, I like I like the shape of a composition, and I like for that shape to be challenged. Um, mm. You know, I like that the idea that you're what you're talking about the idea of sort of making something no one's heard. Um, I think mm. that's incumbent on the artist. I think it's an essential thing to do because it would be easy to do the opposite. Um, yeah, and yeah. I find even in my own work, I think like, don't waste a line. Don't write a line that people have heard. Don't write something that people ha are expecting. Um, if you're going to make a joke. Uh, make the joke that maybe people see coming, but then add another joke right after, like, you know, so people don't see that coming. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a small space to work in, but I, but I feel it's so easy to be conventional. And I think the challenge is to not do that. And I've always loved your work, your body of work to me does exactly that all the time. Um, and I've, you know, I've listened to you since I was 16 years old. And I, and I think that all the stuff that you've done is sort of always challenge convention and shape. And I, I mean, you have, a, you have a, a beautiful, beautiful body of work and um, I can't wait to see what you do next. You know? Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, and, um, and, and I think what you're just saying and you're sort of saying the line, don't use that line again. And for me, it's always, you know, for me, it's the chord, you know, you know, the, it's the chord, the next chord and the next, and you know, People are, what are you expect? Are you expecting this? Well, you know, and um, so, yeah, when I write a song, I'll, I'll, I'm, I might actually write a song in a very, very conventional way. I start writing in a very, very conventional way. And then I immediately say, okay, now what happens if I change key here and the, and the, mel the melodic lead line will take me where? And then you do it and you think, okay, I'm gonna do it again. And the first time you go, hmm. And the second time, and then by the third time, I've assimilated it, it's in my body, it's natural, you know. Right. You've sort of, um, you've done that, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, that's what I, uh, that's how I entertain myself. <laughs> Would you, is it possible to get you to come back on the show and keep chatting with me? Because I, I mean, I feel this is an ongoing conversation, but I, I've, I've loved every second of it. I don't want to take up yeah. too much of your time, but. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You'd be open to coming back? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's what a joy to talk to you. I, I, I I'm so grateful that you took the time and, um, and we'll do it again. Yeah, Alex, thank you so much. What you do is amazing. It's uh, I, I had um, I was uh, listening to quite a few bits of bits of it. I really enjoyed um, the Juliana Hatfield oh, conversation. She's great. Yeah, <laughs> she was very funny. I really enjoyed listening to her, and she was she she made me laugh a lot. I, I loved it. Oh, she's great. Well, thank you. I appreciate your comments and uh, the feeling is mutual. So keep up the great work. Okay, Alex, you take care now.
You know, as we were having that conversation, I thought, man, Sean should be a, a college professor. He'd be amazing. Everybody would take Sean's class. Uh, what a sweet guy. Really just the kindest, most engaging fellow. And um, I love his work. And I feel terrible because I didn't even talk about his solo albums in my long introduction. I tried to throw it all in there, but there's so much stuff. Um, he has a bunch of solo albums. All of them are great. Um, his latest came out, I believe, last October uh, of 2020. Absolutely worth your time. Uh, it's exceptionally good. Uh, HighLamas.com is where you need to go to find out the latest with Sean O'Hagan and the High Lamas and all of the production work that he's doing. It's all there. Uh, buy his music. Buy all of it. You'll be so happy to have it in your life um, if it's not already in your life. You, you will be like, where, where has this music been? My life has needed it, and now I'm a complete person. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe uh, I'm, I'm putting a lot of pressure on the High Lama's uh, uh, potential impact in your life. I'm just saying you're going to be really happy uh, that you have it. It's a remarkable body of work, um, a really just an incredible, incredible discography that Sean has amassed. Uh, he's also amassed a, I believe it's a 50-song playlist of, of uh, he sort of curated um, the High Lama's work into a Spotify playlist, which you can access on StereoEmbersMagazine.com. I think we'll also throw it in the bio to this, um, to this podcast. So you can access it that way as well. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. Um, there's always something happening, and uh, usually I'll talk about it here. But it wouldn't hurt to visit the website. It would make me happy. BombshellRadio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. Because tick away we do, 365, 24-7 and other numbers that mean we're never off the air. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram, at Ember's Podcast. And you can also email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Who do you want on the show? Who should I bring back on the show? Um, you know, a couple people have shown up now several times because you guys have written and said, bring them back. And so I did. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, tell your friends, tell people that aren't really your friends, but you know them. Maybe at the school drop-off, you're like, oh, hi, Stacy. Hey, do you like podcasts? And then just, you know, work it into the conversation. All right? Uh, let's close the show with one of my favorite songs by the High Llamas. This is Tides. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. Yeah.